Welcome to Unlocking Brand, a part of our Siegel and Gale podcast series. Here, our global brand experts host live case studies, deliver actionable insights, and answer key questions on the topics that matter to brand marketers today. In this episode, our global chief marketing officer, Margaret Malloy, and former senior director of strategy, Britt Bula, are joined by Zara Mirza, head of global marketing at GE, for a discussion on how we crafted GE's new brand purpose and explore key tenets for successfully unlocking purpose at your organization. Hello and welcome to Siegel and Gale Unlock Brand Series. Each episode, we take one topic and explore it in depth. I'm your host, Margaret Molloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel and Gale. Siegel and Gale is a preeminent brand strategy, design, and experience firm. Today, we are going to talk about purpose. Purpose is one of the hottest topics and yet most nebulous in marketing and branding today. It emerged as a major theme in our Siegel and Gale In Their Words CMO study. It is a consistent theme in our Future of Branding series from the CMOs. It emerges as a topic and perhaps most eloquent and profound of all, it was the top discussion point in our Gen Z panels this summer. Therefore, today we are going to explore it. We are going to essentially identify how to discover a purpose that sticks, how to garner internal support, how to essentially identify progress, and vitally important, how to bring it to life and instill it into the operating principles and indeed muscle of an organization. I am joined by my Siegel and Gale colleague, Britt Bulla, Senior Director of Strategy in New York. Good afternoon, Britt. How are you today? Good afternoon, Margaret. Doing very well. Thank you. So, Britt, I feel we should get started by asking you, what is the Siegel and Gale brand purpose? Oh, that's a good one. So, Siegel and Gale, we make it simple for our colleagues and clients to be successful. So, our commitment today, Britt, is exactly Mm -hmm. that. We're going to make it simple for our audience to be successful. Let me introduce our co-guest, Zara Mirza, Heads Global Brand at GE. A very good afternoon, Zara. Hi, Margaret. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Our pleasure. And following on as a good point of departure for the conversation, what is the GE brand purpose? Well, the new GE brand purpose that we'll talk about today is we rise to the challenge of building a world that works. We rise to the challenge of building that works. Fantastic. Well, let's begin the discussion. Britt, I know you have a number of slides. I will now hand over to you and Zara, and I will come back in about half an hour for the Q&A component. So with that, let's get into the big topic of the day, unlocking purpose. So often people will have different ideas of what purpose actually is or what it means. And in fact, if you ask people what an organization's purpose is, you'll get different types of answers. So I think it might be interesting to think about the types of conversations we often have about what purpose means. The first thing, and perhaps maybe the most traditional one, is that the objective or the purpose of a company is to make money. And if we think back to, and this is from Milton Friedman in 1970, um, kind of a seminal kind of piece of work there, our, the job of a corporation was essentially to generate shareholder value. Uh, and do it in a legal and ethical way. And that sounds very basic, but very straightforward. And I think 
if we were to have gone back and had, say, a conversation at, say, a business school uh, 10 years ago, we would have heard this, this very um, definition. There's another definition that we often get, though, which is something like this, where purpose is used as a wrapper for what we would call doing well, taking good intentions, taking good acts, if you will. And a couple of different ways to think about this you could have something like um, British Petroleum kind of repositioning and re kind of scanning itself as BP to let us know that they're diversifying beyond petroleum. Something is going on kind of right now with uh, Amgen, where they have an, a notion that they are going to own scientific literacy as kind of a CSR initiative that is a very big kind of focus for them. And even if you think back to the late 90s, early noughts, things like uh, Product Red, which was a new model for sustainable philanthropy, where companies could participate within Product Red to uh, develop uh, or to um, kind of to support HIV and AIDS kind of research and treatment in Africa in a sustainable way. And all of these are ways to think about purpose. These are a little more probably centered in the communication suite, but these are purpose. This is kind of how an organization might express its purpose nonetheless. But that's not how we typically think about it here at Siegel Gale. The way that we typically think about it is purpose as an idea that drives difference in action, an idea that essentially dictates or lays out the difference we're going to make in the world as an organization and the way we're going to behave because of it. And if you think about the brands that you like best, you think about your own brand, it's probably driven by a principle, a kind of a guiding idea that's going to not only drive how you communicate, but it's also going to govern how you behave to people. It's going to govern perhaps the way that you innovate, and it's going to govern perhaps the next decision that you take. And so a lot of the brands you see on the page here are examples of that. CVS Health, for example, a longtime client of ours, is all about helping people on their path to better health. And they use that idea as a vehicle for transformation. And that's interesting because in the previous examples, we were talking about kind of perhaps initiatives that are more led around communications. Things on this page are much more probably tied up with communications and operating principles, as Margaret was talking about before. And when we talk about purpose, we're typically talking about it in this way. What's that idea that's going to drive not only how we talk, but the way that we'll behave? But it's really interesting because this year, corporations have taken it a step farther. This is from 2020, earlier this year. when essentially, this is a proclamation from the World Economic Forum about a restating of what purpose of business is and the purpose of a corporation is. And it's interesting because now this is coming almost kind of full circle around to the way that we've been thinking about it. But it's yes, to be commercially viable, to be profitable, but to do so in a way that um, solves for problems for the planet and not to profit for them. And that's very interesting because now the notion of purpose has gone beyond just what we stand for, but how we stand for and how we're actually going to impact and change in a sustainable way, the world around us. And I think for us, that's extremely exciting, but suddenly the aperture for brand is a lot bigger. The way that it connects to the way our corporations operate is a lot bigger. And our jobs as branding and marketing people suddenly have a bigger uh, remit. So when we think about purpose, then if we have just to boil it down in a simple way, we think about it as the essential reason for which something exists or is done. That's the dictionary definition of purpose. If we have to boil it down, we might just say it's why we do what we do. And one of the first ways it was ever described to me was it's how it's why we get out of bed in the morning to come to work. I can't really say it better than 
this kind of notion attributed to Aristotle. We don't know if he actually said it, so let's just pretend like he did. But where your talents and the needs of the world cross, therein lies your vocation, therein lies your purpose. And this actually drives how we think about it when we help our clients kind of determine what their purpose is. Because we look at it like this. Essentially, it's the nexus of what we do better than anyone else. It's what does the world need that we can provide? And then what drives us morally? What change do we want to make in the world? And those three things overlap is where we find kind of the seeds of, of purpose. And that actually leads us to the conversation we'll have today with, with Zara. And I'd actually like Zara now to introduce that we started to do the GA around purpose. Great. Thank you, Britt. And I think if we go to the next slide, I introduced the purpose already. We rise to the challenge of building a world that works. I can talk about sort of what this means helpfully with the work with Siegel and Gale. We, you know, we have an annotated version of this. I think that's the next slide, Britt. But when we talk about we, we're obviously talking about our people at GE. We're talking about our customers, our partners. And we're also talking about our business units. You know, GE spans, you know, a variety of businesses in energy and aviation and healthcare and sort of digital uh, across all of them. So starting with purpose that, that kind of can speak to all of those different stakeholders was really important to us. I love the fact that we rise to the challenge. I mean, we developed this purpose with Siegel and Gale pre-COVID, but boy, did it come into light and into action through COVID. You know, when you think of, you know, what we're asking our incredible employees at GE to do, as a lot of people were sort of locking down and sheltering at home, we had workers on the front line who were going into work to eat, to sometimes pivot their jobs into making ventilators with our collaboration board or going in, you know, powering the grid on behalf of our customers. So for me, rising to the challenge really captures the kind of grit and determination that is in GE's DNA and kind of really sets us apart. Building was a word I remember, Britt, we, uh, you know, talked a lot about how do you get the, you know, GE is, we're an engineering company, we're builders, we're innovators, we're creators. So, so the world building is really important to us and kind of grounds us in, in what we do. And a world that works is, you know, hugely aspirational. And, you know, we're not saying the world works, certainly not perfectly at this time, but it's this continuous kind of searching for for the answers to tomorrow's challenges. For us at GE, that's a life that's safer, cleaner, more reliable, more accessible. We talk about our role in, you know, helping raise the standard of living for everyone around the world. So when you put all that together, you know, it's a memorable, impactful kind of purpose that is definitely sort of ownable to GE, but is open enough that as an individual, you can imbue it with your own meaning, whether you work in kind of corporate function like myself or in one of our businesses, you can fill it with your own meaning. So hopefully inspirational. Sure. And one thing that I'd, I'd add is when we started to work with Zara to do this, the, um, the remit was actually a little bit larger, which is that we were going to not only do purpose, but we'd also be thinking at the same time about what would the tagline be? What would a new campaign be? And how would this be launched to employees? So when we took this on, we were thinking about all four things at the same time, but we kind of had to start with what the kind of North Star of all this was going to be, and that was indeed uh, the purpose. The other thing that I think from our point of view, especially, and I think from maybe a creative point of view, we were going to be 
doing something that was going to take the place of these bits of, if you will, Madison Avenue kind of lore. So whatever we did was going to be taking, essentially replacing imagination at work in some way. It was going to influence the thing that would do that. And we have things like we bring good things to life and progress is our most important product. GE for the longest time has been selling and representing the notion of moving ahead and a better world as what it does at the highest level. This was just us making sure that we uncovered what it was doing kind of now in its kind of current iteration, which was exciting for, for us. Right. But you can see here, our new tagline actually was a straight lift from our purpose. I mean, purpose and tagline, a different strategy and execution are different. But to your first, to your earlier point, Britt, when we sort of briefed the whole kind of thing in together in terms of everything that we were needing to get out of this. We attacked the project sequentially. So we started with purpose development, but the people we brought around the table, you know, when it came to the execution of that and, and new kind of marketing materials and campaigns, we wanted to bring sort of everyone along with us and provide that kind of inspiration. And I think that actually is a perfect segue to the next point. Our six keys purpose would be because we were thinking about how do we actually develop a purpose that is going to be relevant to us, it's going to work for us, it's going to resonate inside, and it's going to almost take off on its own. So the first point I think Zara was just getting into is this, about bringing the right people to the table. Yes, exactly. And uh, at GE, you need a very uh, big table because you know the company is so large. And so I think this is your kind of responsibility on the kind of brand side, on the client side, you, you know, you're asking a lot of your kind of partner, Russ Siegel and Gail. My sort of commitment to them was that we would have the right people round the table. You would have access to those people so that you could hear directly from them, not kind of filtered through me on what they wanted to get out of this project, what it meant to them. Because, you know, your partners, uh, they can help you come up with the right answer, but really it's you and your team internally that need to galvanize support and socialize it. So having those right people around the table at the at the get-go is very important. And you know, for us it was having, you know, different levels of people as well. So obviously executives, senior stakeholders, having a commercial point of view as well. So this wasn't seen as a marketing project. Obviously, brand and communications was, it was part of our team. Having a lot of kind of rising stars, so you weren't just getting a kind of top-down point of view and feedback, as well as, you know, I would say at this point, I was probably Brit like a month into my new job at GE, sort of anchoring myself with people who'd been in GE for a long time and really understood the rich DNA and goodness of the company. And then we need our agitators that could just provoke us and kind of push us forward, push us out of our comfort zone. And then, as I mentioned, we had BBGO as our agency that you know, helped execute the, the campaign that you just saw. They were in the room from the beginning. So we could feel as clients confident that we could get creative goodness, creative inspiration, creative execution off of the strategic thinking. I remember the kickoff meeting and I think we actually had to open up a wall because there were so many people around that we had to like put two uh, conference rooms into one. We did. And I think it's, you know, it was in that might, I think the interesting there is the, when we think about 
doing things like this, naturally your instinct would be to keep it um, close to the vest. And there's also always the, the danger of opening it up too far and you get, you know, the proverbial water sandwich. But I think the way that it was worked here is that the casting that the GE did was, was, was smart because to Zara's point, you had the agitator, you had the veteran, you had the star, and there's a lot of different perspectives. And we were able to kind of triangulate what was real and what wasn't. Not only did we open up the entire room, essentially we had the entire room actually at some point in a shared document. So you could actually see the keystrokes of the person who was like kind of doing the next draft. And so it was quite odd. You could be in there working and you actually see half of a BBDOG looking at you while you did it. So it was actually that open. And that's, um, I think if we were, it will be a way that we probably will be doing a kind of approaching purpose at Seagull Mill kind of from here on, because it was actually that, uh, that productive. So I think there's something there about getting the casting right. Yes. And also, I think, again, on the kind of brat on the client side, you have to be really clear about everybody's role. Like, when are you looking for input? When are you looking for approval? When versus when are you just kind of brainstorming and, and you know, keeping things loose for the um, for you guys at Siegel and Gale? So I, I'm very impressed you were not intimidated by how many people we brought around the table. Hey, well, it was a, it's, it's always good to have a, a purpose party. So we had, a, we had a good time doing it. But that leads us into kind of how we use those people to talk for purpose. And that kind of brings us to the next point which is that we have this belief and we started this with with GE with this notion that we had to build from we knew obviously purpose is going to be emotional but it also has to be built on facts has to be built on a good basis so we decided and we were quite kind of intentional that we were building from a place of truth we made sure that we engaged executive leadership of all the GE businesses to understand where they wanted to take their business units and GE in general from an ambition point of view we also heard about and what their challenges and skepticism, if they had any, uh, were so we were able to kind of understand it early on. Um, as I mentioned before, we had the rising leaders of GE taken from across the company as kind of a core part of this process, both as an input and as a sounding board on both sides of it. We did, at the same time, a quantitative study going back to the notion of let's get the facts down. We had a quantitative study of over 2,000 customers and prospects that got down to what drove preference for GE over other brands so we could actually get quite gritty on the themes and the, uh, the notions, the attributes that would actually drive business. And we are also able to understand how GE did relative to others. So that made sure that when we started to write kind of, if you will, the sandbox for purpose, we knew that we were in the right place that would actually generate commercial success. And then we kept checking with customers both at the beginning and as we kind of went through to, to validate, if you will, that we understood not only from our customers in um, conversations what the ideal partner for what their what the ideal partner would be in their minds, but also how GE could and has risen to that uh, to that ideal. So we had in their words what mattered, as well as if you will, kind of kind of the hard data about what um, would drive preference. So we made sure that we kept this in the back of our minds as as we worked. Yeah, I think for me, Britt, you know, the customer piece was so important, you know, and we almost didn't do it because it kind of slows down your timeline, requires a lot of work for you as a client, because you have to, you know, as a global piece of research and probably like seven different markets up to 2000 customers. But it is, it gave us such credibility, you know, and G being a customer focused company, having that voice, that external voice has, um, you know, really sort of helped shape our purpose, helped shape the tone of our 
of our campaigns that come out of that. And I still use that, those data points, both the quant and the quad today as we, as we continue to kind of develop the marketing strategy. So the next point that we've got is this one. I think this is kind of a key one that I think we've been at Siegel and we've been honored to help a, a number of companies develop, find their purpose. Certainly with GE, there was, it was an honor to be involved with this type of work. But I think what is key is that purpose is probably already there. And we say that it's uncovered, it's not authored. The evidence of what you are on your best day and why you do what you do is in plain sight. Or with a little bit of digging, you can find it. Um, oftentimes it's back in the history, it's visible in the DNA, and it's happening right now. And what we do find is that internal perspective of just the, the, the fact that you might have been in the company for you know five to 10 years, it might obscure what is so special and right in front of you. So the value that we were that we were able to bring uh, working with Zara and team is that we could uncover these uh, moments of kind of G rising to this higher purpose. We were able to uncover G's vocation, if you will, and see it in different ways. But I think that's kind of um, key because we're not trying to craft beautiful language. We're trying to articulate what already makes G powerful and special. And when we started to do it that way, people on the team could start to play off of us. And we it started, it started to amplify from that point out. So this is just a small detail, but I think it's an important one because I think we as kind of agencies and consultants play a bigger role and purpose in helping to uncover it versus to, to create nice words. Absolutely. And it really, you know, have our employees feel ownership, like the amount of, kind of the bolstering of employee pride that this purpose has had within GE is, you know, incredible. It wasn't really at sort of anticipating that. And I think that is because it is a purpose that, that they, you can see yourself in, you can see GE and you don't have to read it off a PowerPoint chart and, you know, kind of mix up the words. It, it is very kind of true of GE. Ah, yes, test drive as you go. This is really important. And, you know, I hadn't anticipated how important being new myself to GE, this was within the DNA and the culture of GE. You know, these are engineering led company, problem solvers, who kind of want to roll up their sleeves and figure it out with you. Even though I consider myself, you know, hugely collaborative, you know, I really was pushed beyond my comfort zone. And it really was to the benefit of the kind of final purpose and how that has been kind of adopted within the organization. And so, yeah, we just, we rolled with it. I don't know how else to explain it, Britt, but we would jam, you know, maybe two or three kind of areas. We kept them loose. I think one learning that I'm glad we did is we never asked people to make a decision like, which is your favorite, A or B? It was more, we kept them loose as kind of concepts and asked people to talk around them, what they liked and what they didn't. And then we just kept on kind of iterating. I think in some instances, you know, because I'm sure we're giving the impression we had a seamless journey to our final purpose, but, it, you know, it wasn't like that. And, you know, we went down some rabbit holes sometimes and the ability to have access to, you know, kind of like mini focus groups within the organization to kind of pull us out when we've gone a bit too far, you know, was, was really helpful. It also, frankly, took the pressure off this being a big reveal. You know, this is a purpose statement that it's not a purpose isn't a silver bullet. 
So the fact that it had been socialized and shared and, and um, had people's input as we sort of went along meant that people all were kind of, a lot more people were sort of nodding their heads when we did a finally kind of launch it internally. I think the nice thing that we held each other to account was we kept coming back to these rules here. Is it big, simple, true, and useful? It always, when we said big, it's got to be as big as our ambition, it has to be as big as our impact, and it has to be something that will raise our pulse. And then naturally, is it cut through? Is it simple? Is it true to what we are and what we promise to be? And then does that actually help us through our current situation or those situations that we think the brand is going in the business we're going to be in? And I'll say that, you know, we always had a bit of, whenever we had a disagreement or when we weren't quite sure if something was right, or maybe is this too ambitious enough, we'd come back to it and say, no, actually, it's supposed to raise our pulse. It's supposed to set high expectations of us. So when we do things like this, we can't be meek. We can be bold and it's okay to be because we're talking about the change that we're going to have in the world. And I'd say that, you know, we tried to do that as, as Siegel Gale and BBDO did that as kind of the communications partner. And then the GE uh, team did that as well. So we were very uh, well aligned around what uh, I suppose purpose had to, had to be for us in our criteria. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, you know, I see in the chat, one of the early questions was, you know, how do you keep things productive when you're bringing in so many different kind of viewpoints? And I think you're right, Britt, we always had a very clear kind of vision of, of what we wanted purpose to be. So, you know, we were bringing in inputs to help kind of illuminate that, but not validate, you know, between, like I say, option A or option B. Absolutely. This kind of is right with that point, but there are two ways to do this. And one is to close it off a little bit and put people into strict lanes. The other is to let us be a little bit in everyone else's kitchen. And that invites tension. And that's okay because for good, powerful ideas, you actually have to have some uncomfortableness. So we actually went after it, I think. We would make sure that we were not serving up kind of bland oatmeal. But we were making sure that the things that we did caused a little bit of discomfort. If it didn't make people uncomfortable, we knew that we hadn't done our jobs. So a lot of the conversation that we did have around that big table with uh, GE people around, are these ideas or is this word or is this term or is this notion going to be jarring or uncomfortable people? And we tried to keep that somewhere in the, uh, in the ideas. Because oftentimes the easy way would have been to have pulled back or to kind of soften certain things or to have stayed away from Kind of topics. The notion of rising to the challenge, for example, was something that originally was a little bit uncomfortable because the thought was, well, what if we're going to talk about challenges? Isn't that necessarily negative? But then we realized after a good amount of back and forth thing with each other that GE exists for kind of rising and running toward the challenge. So let's celebrate it and, and raise it up as something that, that we would do. And it's because we were holding ourselves to kind of the kind of the mark of tension that we were able to do that. I think the second thing to Sarah's point before, it wasn't A or B. We made sure that we were pushing before we started to wordsmith and polish. And that was kind of key because if we had started wordsmithing from day one, we would have ended up in much more of a kind of lower common denominator place, I believe. So we made sure that we didn't resort to kind of polishing the terms, but we kept to the big ideas, which sometimes that gets exhausting because you think you're almost there. You think you've got something there, but what if this word was slightly different? And it was um, important for us to keep kind of focused on the big idea. And lastly, I think um, Zara will kind of echo this, especially around a big table, especially around a big organization with a lot of opinions. You can get a little bit weary of back and forth thing of different uh, kind of 
I wouldn't call it a, a kind of objections, but different ways that people might want you to do it differently. And you just can't give up. It's about perseverance and keeping your shoulder to the wheel. Yeah, definitely. And even, you know, we had some meetings where we bombed. I had some meetings where I bombed. I don't think you were even in all of the meetings, Britt. But yeah, and you just got to keep going. And, you know, it is hard. But I think having this team, this sort of diverse team, and there's many kind of like external perspectives as well as internal helps kind of keep you going. You're not all kind of riding the high at the same time. I think the other thing just to mention on uh, tension, and I, uh, I see Kirsten asked a question on, you know, did everything go according to plan? Is you as a client also have your the tension of your business in terms of, you know, the business is still running, no one's stopping and waiting for you to figure out the company purpose. And, you know, there's deadlines in that of when you need to deliver, when you need to have everything ready. You know, for us, we had, you know, kind of annual report, CEO's kind of annual report in February. So you have to keep going and you have to keep kind of putting pressure on the team to meet your own sort of internal deadlines. I think we get onto this in the next point because you know it's about the ways in which you can integrate purpose and the launch of purpose into your existing kind of opportunities in the company so that was just a unique tension that i had you know kind of on the client side you're basically on the hook for actually kind of delivering and executing ah if you get it right you won't be able to stop it yes this is true i think you know it was a journey. It was pretty quick, I think. Well, Britt, maybe, uh, you know, in kind of comparison, but, you know, we kind of attacked, you know, kicked off the project and we were all kind of committed to it for an intense period of time. And then we, you know, launched it again. This was pre-COVID after it was presented to the CEOs of the business and Larry, our, you know, um, CEO of the company. It was actually woven into the language of his annual letter to shareholders. You almost like beat me to the punch of our own kind of internal launch. Of course, I wasn't going to um, say that to him. But, you know, we start, you know, people just started, at least kind of executives started using the language. It became, you know, became our North Star and it was kind of unstoppable. And then we had uh, our internal launch in March literally like moments before kind of uh, lockdown happened in in the US. I think, again, it became the North Star through COVID. And, you know, the plan was always, you know, we had this best laid plans, you know, internal launch in March, external launch uh, during the Olympics, of which we're a sponsor. And that all kind of went to the wall. And our internal launch actually also became an external launch. And, you know, if I was a purist in any other year but 2020, I probably would have had something to say about that. But, you know, our businesses started using the language of we rise to the challenge to applaud and thank their frontline workers in the businesses. It appeared on, you know, kind of building a world that worked, appeared on, you know, billboards outside of our factories with our employees, our frontline workers, like I say, thanking them for rising to the challenge. So the language, you know, we, we stopped being purists of, you know, the purpose is internal, the tagline building a world that works is external. The fact that, you know, we use the language rising to the challenge as much externally as we do internally. And I hadn't actually anticipated that, you know, kind of at the time as we were planning. 
And then we just um, launched uh, the campaign um, externally a couple of weeks ago, not during the Olympics. Okay. Yeah. And so those are our, our kind of six keys to purpose. And uh, with that, Margaret, I don't know if you'd like to take us into some Q&A. Thank you. Thank you, Brad, and thank you, Zara. So I have grouped them by themes so far. One recurring theme is timeline. So Brit, how long did it take to discover and articulate this purpose? So that's a great question, and it really depends on um, who you ask. But the official timeline, I believe, ran us about ran us about four months. The part of that was given over to research, which we were in the field for a bit. I think the actual time to deliver was longer due to um, socialization. And some of the things that we were talking about, the collaboration took us to places where we needed to take a little longer to get certain things right. And then Zara and her team um, did a large effort to make sure that it was socialized internally, which I don't think we built in originally, but then we um, realized we needed to do it to get the, the buy-in that we needed. And Zara, I don't know if you have anything you'd add to that. You're it was four months from kind of project kickoff to let's call it CEO approval. So that all happened in, I don't even know what year it is. That happened 2019, uh, you know, January to March was, you know, we were kind of socializing that internally as well as working with BBGO on the kind of external campaign. And then it was launched internally, you know, to, you know, the whole sort of GE employee, employee population in March. Yes. So it was four months, you're right. I think one of the things that actually speeded it up or kept it moving relatively quickly is we mentioned before, when we would draft or we thought we had something that worked, BBDO would actually have already written the manifesto and the communication kind of key behind it. So we'd know at least on one side, if it was going to be something that had legs from a communications point of view. And that actually gave us a little bit of feed at the end of the day. We're getting a variety of vocabulary questions. Britt, maybe you start us off. The distinction between mission, purpose, values, and perhaps even Zara will append that with this relationship between tagline and purpose. So set us straight on some of the vocabulary, Britt. This is a great question. And I think that when I think about this, we generally feel like when we're thinking about this from a brand point of view, we would like to almost bury the vision because oftentimes those tend to be long statements of what a corporation um, would like to achieve in kind of anodyne terms. Purpose is meant to do is say the change we are going to make. And that from a marketer's point of view has more power to it. It's more specific it should get to action and differentiation. And typically things like mission and vision by different names don't, uh, weren't never, never designed, I think, to do that. But typically when we approach it, we like to think of it as one idea that we get to. And honestly, whether we call it purpose or whether we call it ambition or, or mission, I think it doesn't matter as long as it says what we stand for and the, the impact we intend to have. So there's always going to be that kind of, um, kind of legacy vocabulary, but at the end of the day, what is our difference in the world, and that's what we have to, to, to jump from. And Zara, speak to this whole creation around tagline and the sequencing, maybe, tagline and purpose articulation. Yes. So, you know, we were clear with all of the agencies, Siegel and Gale and BBGO, that we kind of wanted the full package. You know, we needed a new purpose. Also, internally, we were also developing our new leadership behaviours. 
purpose and leadership behaviors together, and then tagline is an execution. But, you know, we were very clear that articulating everything that we wanted in terms of output, we were sequencing the project. So we didn't want to get to a tagline before we'd got to purpose, for example. So we had purpose and leadership behaviors were two new things that were launched internally in the company. And then we had our tagline. Now, when we were assessing our purpose articulations, I was also looking at what could it be, if not a direct lift, but an easy translation into a tagline, because there's only so many things like people can remember. So it wasn't a direct kind of mandate to Siegel and Gale, but I think, you know, and again, as Britt says, because we had creative directors, we had BBGO in the room, we kind of all wanted to nod our heads and go, can we get to a kind of tagline that, that comes out of the purpose statement? And what we ended up doing was a direct lift, which was, you know, kind of perfect. Wonderful. Now, of course, GE is, was conducting this activity in a period of transformation, divestitures, etc. Was there any grieving for the old purpose and was there appetite for a new? Yes, there was definitely appetite for a new, you know, new CEO. And GE was, you know, we still are in a kind of moment of transformation. And I would say the appetite came from you know, sort of bolstering employee pride around what makes GE great, you know, to Brit's point, you know, our reason for existing in the world. And if you were kind of looking at the kind of financial headlines, you know, that wasn't being communicated. So there was, uh, you know, definitely appetite for instilling pride and, and bringing a North Star back to GE more than sort of grieving for the old. I think we've done a great job at bringing the kind of DNA that, you know, the truths that are kind of stand the test of time of GE and imbuing those with new meaning under new leadership, making them kind of more relevant to today. I would say, you know, where the nerves uh, kind of set in is, you know, GE has a great legacy of like fantastic taglines. So there was probably more nerves, you know, from our team on, you know, kind of matching that than on the purpose side. Sarah, to what degree is the purpose tied back to the business benefits and the P&L? Yes. So in GE, you know, this is a master brand purpose. So it sits across all of the businesses, but all businesses can imbue meaning into it. You know, and so when you think of our, you know, our kind of innovation pipeline, the kind of projects we go after, the projects we pitch on, the talent that we kind of attract to the company is all tied towards, you know, rising to the challenge of building a world that works. Sort of mentioned in the beginning, you you want to leave that open in a company as kind of diverse as GE, that businesses can, can imbue their own kind of meaning into that. Britt, as you work with clients in general, how do you know it's time for a company to revisit its purpose? That's a great question. I think Oftentimes, like like Zara has mentioned, there are moments of transition or moments of inflection. It could be things like, in G's case, the the shape of the business was different and will still be different. There could be some kind of shift in your market, which changes the way that you have to uh, kind of approach things. Oftentimes, there are material changes to your employee 
population, perhaps you've made a huge acquisition, for example, that changes the way that you're going to look at the world. But typically there is an inflection point that's important that you want to address. We say sometimes that you want to make sure that you have a sign of change, not just a change of sign. And that's kind of what we want to get to anytime we touch purpose, that there has to be a reason for it. And in the case of GE, we were marking a new era for GE, um, helping them to, to do that. And I think that's kind of the key thing. Ask yourself, is there something that is really changing here? Or is there some kind of big transformation that we want to affect? And that's the, that would lead you back to whether or not it's time, I believe. Brett, could you talk to us about measurement? How you counsel clients to consider ROI of purpose work and indeed how clients best track progress along attainment or living their purpose? I think that's a very, um, that's a kind of always a timely question. I think the first thing that I'd say is there's a commercial aspect to it. And it's not that the purpose itself to, to, is going to immediately connect to a commercial outcome, but if we've created it correctly, and if it's applied through, let's say, communications, it's going to be based on things that actually drive preference in the market. So you'll be able to see it in the performance of not only your marketing efforts, but also in, in things down to, to share, we would hope. I think there's another side to it, though. And that's if we are using purpose correctly, it's going to focus uh, employees. It's going to focus our own efforts in doing what it is that we do. So we'll be moving in a more agile fashion. We will be moving more quickly to decisions, for example. You'll see it in the way that we innovate. You'll be moving kind of more intentionally toward new ideas that are based on what you stand for. So you can, you can gauge it that way as well. And I think on the employee side, you can't underestimate that a purpose driven employee base is going to be more committed. They're going to be more likely to be retained against something that they believe in. And it's going to give you something to actually attract best talent with. So there are a lot of levers you can pull and a lot of measures you can look at to know um, how purpose is driving and, and lifting up your business. Great. I have a few more quick fire questions for you. An audience member says, we've had our purpose for 18 months or so. How do we keep the energy behind it? Oh, wow. That's a great one. I think that, you know, when you think about what purpose means to you, if you want to keep energy behind it, sometimes the best way to do that is think about ways that it's being brought to life in the kind of venues and places you might not even know. Your employees are going to have great examples of ways they are bringing that purpose to life around the business. Oftentimes, if not all of those times, those are going to have something to do with a customer um, situation. Those are things that will not only keep the energy alive internally, but also you can use those externally to kind of almost as, as kind of fuel for the fire as to why it kind of you matter. So I think one of the great things about purpose is that it's self-sustaining. You just have to kind of give it, um, keep giving it a little bit of oxygen and we'll do that. That's exactly right. We at GE, we're using our employees, you know, we don't have the budget to always kind of be on with making new campaigns. So we use our employees and how they're rising to the challenge. And we, we use that content externally as well, but just a lot of internal communication efforts of, of getting employees to imbue meaning for you. Britt, another guest asks, does your company's purpose have to be unique to that company? This is a purpose is about what change you are going to make on the world. And so naturally that has to be true to you. And so if it feels like it belongs to you, if it feels like it reflects you, if it feels like it's something that your employees would put their hand over their heart and say, this is what we're up to, this is what we came here to do today, then it's doing its job. Now, does it have to be unique externally? 
there are ways to kind of answer that. Do the words have to be specifically unlike anyone else's? I don't think so because you'll communicate it in different ways. Your communication naturally will have their own um, kind of distinctness to them. But when it goes back to it, it goes back to big, simple, true, and useful. Is big enough to get our hearts beating? Is it true to what we are and what we plan to do? And I think if you can answer yes to, do, to those two things, you're going to have something that will work inside. Sarah, can you speak to any collaboration across your marketing and talent organizations to bring this purpose to life? Yeah, it was done from the outset uh, in terms of our chief HR officer and our CMO, uh, you know, jointly sort of commissioned this project. Was I'd never sort of experienced that before, but boy, was it kind of valuable in terms of how do you operationalize purpose within your organization? We already had the kind of sponsorship of, um, of those two kind of executives. And I would say purpose has been used as much, but in our sort of talent and HR functions, probably more than it's been used in our kind of marketing function. Uh, CHRO, you know, he in his internal emails, he always has a, you know, a, a paragraph on purpose and bringing out those kind of employee examples of employees who've risen to the challenge. A number of questions around how does the company make sure it's staying true to this purpose and uses essentially purpose as a filter for decision making? Any evidence of that at GE today? Yes, absolutely. We, you know, for us, purpose is long term. It's not a campaign. It's our kind of long term commitment, our recommitment to the world, to uh, to our customers. So we do use it as a filter to make decisions. I can't kind of like disclose some of those uh, at the moment, but you know, as we sort of look into twenty twenty one and and the kind of commitments we're going to be making, yeah, you need a purpose that can stand up to that. Sarah, you mentioned that you had a very broad range of stakeholders involved throughout the process, many of whom I would assume are not marketeers in training. Our audience member is asking, what degree of educating did you do at the onset to essentially teach about purpose? How did you seed that audience with an understanding of purpose or was that necessary? You know, I'd say, uh, gee, even if people don't speak the language of marketing and purpose and, you know, the difference between purpose and mission and vision, I'm glad you're putting that one to bed, Britt. GE is a purpose-driven company. It always has been. So whether people are using the same language as me, they kind of know it. It's kind of in the DNA of GE. So we try to do very little kind of marketing education and just let the kind of natural goodness like what we talk about what's in the dna of the company kind of flow through and it was our job to then kind of massage that and, and put it into purpose but i would say most people understood you know we need a north star for the company whether what they called it after that was you know kind of by the by anything you would have done differently my mind doesn't work like that. It's kind of like go with the flow. And honestly, Margaret, just speaking, you know, we had to do that through COVID. We just kind of had to had to go with it. I think, you know, we learned lessons along the way. I think, you know, to Britt's point, yeah, hope you can obviously see it was like a tight team. We all felt kind of ownership and and we were part of this journey and we just kind of rolled with it, you know the good times and we definitely kind of rolled with the punches as well and i think that is 
you know, a real lesson that I learned was you've got to convert every opportunity when you work inside a company, every opportunity, even if they weren't on your kind of work back plan in order to put purpose kind of front and center in all of the channels that are available to you. Brit, anything finally you would like to add in terms of counsel for clients, perhaps you've seen over the years when counseling clients around purpose? Well, the thing that I would say, and Zara mentioned it a second ago about the different terms that people use. I think we you know, believe in simplicity. We believe in making sure that things are kind of cut through and we get straight to the point. And I think for most corporate kind of environments, if we can put the notion of what we're all about into one idea that we can all use and to Zara's point, everyone can get behind and start to kind of act on it in their own way. That's the most useful thing we can get to. I would hate a world where we actually have to feel like we have to have 14 moving pieces and fit them all together. And I feel that the less definition we do and the more acting we do on kind of what it is we stand for lifts up the value of brand in the organization that makes it more uh, kind of effective in the world. So the one thing I'd say is if if we if you can boil it down to that one thing and not worried about kind of perhaps you know vocabulary things that's going to give you uh, kind of a good kind of jumping off kind of basis to to get places that's what I, that's where I go to marvelous well thank you Zara thank you Brit for what I hope everyone found to be a useful and inspiring conversation with that thank you to our production team thank you again to Brit and to Zara and we wish you a wonderful day thank you. Thank you for listening. You can learn more about our work and read our thought leadership on SeagullGale.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. While you're at it, leave us a review. See you next time.